It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Scano Sego Ani Bojo Kwekwe Tansi, and welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You are listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That is 95.7 in Ottawa and 106.5 in Toronto. You could also be listening on the Radio Player Canada app if you downloaded that app and type in 106.5 ELMNTFM or 95.7 ELMNTFM. And uh, you could be listening, if you download that app, follow the directions, you could be listening on your device of choice 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, anywhere across the country. So please check that out. Also, if you've missed one of our interviews uh, or part of an interview, uh, you heard about one you want to catch, we put that up on our SoundCloud uh, and also on our website. So please uh, check that out. I'd like to welcome my first guest to the show And it's a pleasure to have him here. And I can tell you that he brings with him a lot of experience, a lot of traditional knowledge. Uh, He's a highly respected man. Uh, He says, call him Elder Little Brown Bear. And um, his other name, his English name is Ernest W. Maton. And um, I'm going to let you say the the Mohawk uh, interpretation again because I've forgotten already. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, my Mohawk uh, name given by my elder is Tessanyungwari, which is Little Brown Bear. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, it's a pleasure uh, to have you here. We really appreciate it. And as you said, you haven't uh, you haven't done uh, radio before. No, I have not. Well, that's kind of surprises me, given uh, the the list of things that I see are behind your name and and the things that you've been involved with over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to give people a little bit of of, of an understanding uh, of of who uh, my guest is here. He's a highly respected Métis elder, a spiritual ambassador that blends traditional teachings with mainstream information to provide holistic healing approaches for both Indigenous and non-Indigenous community members and professional disciplines. Now, and professional disciplines, what does that mean? So that means other individuals from agencies, mm-hmm. um, CAS workers, uh, court workers, um, ah. also management as well. So they have an understanding how to... Um, to work with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember sitting at different boards and, you know, people would say, well, how do we deal with you people? <laughs> and it was like, well, you know, the first thing we have to, we have to arrange the wording on that a little yeah, bit. Right. right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I was like, you know, with you? <laughs> so you, you need to learn how to work with us. <laughs> and so, uh, one of my, one of my things I do is I never walk with a two by four, <laughs> you know, you'll get my attention, but I'm not going to listen. But if you walk with soft moccasins and continue doing that, you know, you eventually get the work done. Mm. Nicely said. I, I like that. <laughs> so uh, he's also um, both sought after as a seminar speaker and effective group facilitator and expert in areas of trauma, addictions, mental well-being, grief, suicide, conflict resolution, forgiveness, mediation, anger release, and uh, building healthy relationships. Now, that alone is, is quite a lot to uh, has, have as not only responsibility, but, but be able to share and help in, in all of those areas. So as my elder always tells me is, you know, your teachings are no good to you unless you can pass them on. Mm. And we always talk about the seven generations that are behind us. So it's passing on those teachings. So by me passing on those teachings, my elder lives forever. And when somebody passes them on from me, my elder lives forever, I live forever, mm. and so on and so forth. Yeah, I like that. Um, now, there is something that I saw that you said, and I, I really I really liked it. People don't care how much you know, they want to know how much you care. 
And that's always been my philosophy. Mm. Always, always. You can have all the credentials in the world. Mm -hmm. But if you can't show a person that you care, you can't build a rapport with them. Mm. You just can't. Mm -hmm. So people don't care how much you know. Right. But if you can show that you care, right. then that healing starts. <laughs> Much like going back to the opening comment you made about how do, how do we deal with you people? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely right. Choosing the right words, as you pointed out, to, yeah. to say, even open the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so uh, you, you uh, share an expertise uh, and also as a member of the Toronto East Health Network family. Yes, that's true. Uh, what, what is it? What, what do they do and what, how long have you been there? So that's Michael Guerin Hospital, mm -hmm. and they're also known as Toronto East Health Network. Uh, so I'm manager there of the Aboriginal culture, so we provide elder services as well. Mm -hmm. And um, I also uh, manage and run the Aboriginal Healing Program, which is down at 2 College Street. Mm -hmm. uh, so I provide services in both areas. Um, and also on the property of the hospital, we also have our traditional sweat lodge, mm -hmm. uh, three-pit uh, traditional sweat lodge up there as well. And the hospital, uh, Sarah um, has been, she's the CEO of the hospital, and uh, she has been a great support mm. uh, of the Aboriginal communities mm. um, and pushing a lot of stuff forward f with us. Uh, Jennifer, who manages the uh, pediatrics, uh, we have a healing room that we recently did up there as well for moms and babies. Mm -hmm. And also on the palliative care unit with Karina, uh, we have just did a whole mural for when people come in, it's when they get off the elevator, um, they're coming in through the eastern door, and we know that they're not leaving, so we, they, then they pass through the western door there. So we did a mural um, and to help people through that process. Hmm. Uh, you just said something there, uh, a three-pit sweat lodge. Yes. Now, is that all under one sweat lodge, a three-pit? Is, is it... or? So, uh, so we we have the sweat lodge. Yep. So, um, one of the first pits is the is where the altar is is uh, mm. is where the grandfathers mm. are, are yeah, heated. Yep. And then we have a prayer pit as well, okay. separately. And then we have the pit that's inside that receives the grandfather. Right. So we okay. Have a traditional three pit. I had this vision of this massive sweat lodge. <laughs> 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 I was going, "Wow, I don't think I've heard of that one before." <laughs> so that would be a longhouse, I think. You're thinking of. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, you are. <laughs> um, now, how often do people make use of these things? So, uh, through my teachings uh, from my elder, um, so the sweat lodge, we go from springtime to fall. Mm. And then uh, then we close it down for the wintertime. And much like Mother Earth, if you look outside, when I ask people what are they seeing, they say, well, you know, I see snow. Mm. Uh, what we see now is Mother Earth's blanket. So now she's resting Mm -hmm. And the same thing with the sweat lodge. It needs to rest. Sure. And so uh, right now we're fundraising for a teepee. So um, from my elders, they've told me that uh, story time happens for the mm -hmm. wintertime. Mm -hmm. So people gather in the teepee and they're able to tell stories. And mm -hmm. that lets Mother Earth mm -hmm. um, and the sweat lodge rest. Right. Because it's got a lot of work to do coming uh, in the springtime again. Um. How How is it for you, uh, from a traditional perspective, working in an urban environment, and you've been doing this a long time, um, do you see particular challenges uh, that that make it more challenging, I guess, being in an urban environment outside of a more natural, you know, area? Well, of, of course, there's, there's going to be all sorts of challenges. Um, 
great people at the hospital that has helped mm. us. Uh, Elda helped us with our fire permits. Mm. Um, so if you're doing traditional sweat lodges on the land, you don't have to go and apply for a permit. Right. Uh, so here you have to apply for permits and yeah. stuff and, and whatnot. So they've been really, really, really good about that. They've been good about uh, creating a space, mm. a safe space, mm. um, security. Yep. And so stuff around uh, those challenges. Um, but, you know, what's nice. And I went back to what I said is we just walk with soft moccasins. Mm. We make our request mm. and, uh, and uh, pray to the creator, put our tobacco down and uh, things happen that way. Uh, and in, in, along with that, um, working either in uh, hospitals or care areas or even any, any building, I guess, these days because of fire codes and all those kind of things, um, are you finding ways to be able to uh, uh, work with the, uh, the authorities um, within there, for, for instance, smudging and those kind of things that people sometimes request? Absolutely. So at the hospital... Uh, we have um, a garden right now on the fifth floor that we can go outside and smudge. Uh, with the new built-out that they're doing, uh, we are going to have actually a smudge room mm. inside the hospital. Right. Now, w- what's particularly nice about this one is um, they, they're making the doors big enough so that if somebody's passing through the western door, we can bring them in and do a pipe ceremony for mm. them as well. Mm. Uh, so, uh, they've, uh, so they're accommodating um, f- with us as well. Um, and so it's it's a matter of making that request and then uh, letting them, just letting it happen. Okay. Um, now, the other thing that you mentioned earlier, some people may not be familiar with the term. And um, and I think that it would be great not to not let people know the term, but understand why the term is used. You mentioned the word grandfathers. And, of course, uh, my, most people would look at those and just call them round rocks. But, but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that's part of, of, the, of the kingdom's. And so the stone people, and so uh, that's part of the mineral kingdom. And those grandfathers, so uh, when we uh, dedicated this lodge um, in August, um, I went out to Georgian Bay, and I presented tobacco and walked along the shores and presented tobacco. Then I prayed, and then I walked, and the grandfathers, they're about grapefruit size. Mm -hmm. uh, They would let me know which ones wanted to come with me Mm -hmm. uh, to help heal. Mm-hmm. And so those uh, those uh, grandfather rocks that we use, or those stone people, uh, those are what we use in the sweat lodge to help. Um, in mainstream, um, some of them, I guess they use lava rock mm. for uh, mm-hmm. well for saunas. Mm. This is different, mm-hmm. and the healing is different. Mm-hmm. And using the cedar water that we use inside and the medicines that we use inside, so it provides uh, physical, emotional. A psychological and spiritual healing. Mm-hmm. And when you come out of that sweat lodge, you're wet. And sure. just like coming out of mother, you're just like your mother, you're coming out of mother earth's womb again. So mm-hmm. you're refreshed, you're reborn. Mm-hmm. And with a lot of burdens that have been lifted around that. So those grandfathers, yes. uh, when they go in and if they split, mm-hmm. uh, they become grandmothers. Mm-hmm. And don't ask me why. I just um, they just become grandmothers. <laughs> uh, I'm still waiting for teaching. Still from my elder right. uh, that has been uh, teaching me the ways. And uh, one of the things that we always say, um, you know, being Aboriginal is not a lifestyle. Right. It is a way of life for of us. Of course, walking in the seven grandfathers, mm-hmm. uh, the medicine wheel, the people's wheel. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're doing all of those things always in a good way. Since you've been on this path and you've been you've been teaching and helping, have you noticed a change? Have you noticed a more a greater awareness? Are people retaining information about indigenous knowledge or indigenous 
culture uh, greater than they were in the past and and being more appreciative of the fact that this this is traditional knowledge this isn't just you know fun it isn't just you know cosmetic it isn't just uh, uh, something to look at as a performance or or you know it, it, it's serious mm-hmm. oh yes uh, that's been happening more and more uh, even teachings around presenting a tobacco tie if you need something um, I remember um, uh, somebody asked me to do something and uh, and and uh, I, I didn't show up um, and then they came and they asked me I said you need to present tobacco and uh, so the next time they, asked, they came and they presented tobacco. Tobacco tie for us, that's a contract. A piece of white paper I can rip up any time. But if you present that tobacco from left hand to left hand, that becomes a contract. And you're committing to doing what has been asked of you. So a lot of the agencies, uh, the Ontario Public Service, they get me in to talk, uh, Justice Department, um, uh, uh, the correctional facilities, uh, they will present tobacco to me first. And so they've learned. And mm-hmm. so now they continue to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sarah at the hospital as well, if she needs anything, uh, she comes and presents tobacco to mm-hmm. me. Uh, even the workers there, they become and present tobacco. And they know that that's a contract. Mm-hmm. And that was new mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. And so they've carried on that tradition. Mm-hmm. So again, teaching. So I always say the smartest people in the world, and I hope that they're not going to crucify me, are, are PhDs. I always say they're not the smartest people. But the smartest people in the world is people that can learn, unlearn, and relearn again. Mm. Mm. And it's about unlearning those things and relearning something that's healthy right. going forward. Right. And, uh, and that's what I have found. And people have been open. They've had an open heart, an open mind. Right. And they're learning to think through their hearts rather than from their heads. Uh, nice, and I appreciate you sharing that. I'd like to to offer my own sort of uh, thought on what you just said about PhDs and and you know not being necessarily the smartest people. Nothing against nope. against that at all. Uh, but I'm I, I just a point sort of 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 uh, uh, you know it's being aware because I thought about this a little bit and I went, well, where did universities come from? They didn't just crop up. Uh, the knowledge that that was brought into universities came from tradi- from, from traditional knowledge years and years and years ago. Uh, so it, it makes perfect sense that the knowledge that Indigenous people carry uh, down through the centuries is is just as valuable as anyone that does have a PhD. That is valuable knowledge, and that knowledge may not have been documented in the same way, but it certainly is is knowledge. And I think you know one of the things we're talking about uh, more awareness about how indigenous people have lived on the land and lived on this planet for hundreds of thousands of years uh, certainly uh, I think could have been looked at differently and and probably have been of benefit to the world that we now see around us as as we now see what's happening via the climate and and other things well I think well, the other thing that you know what's you know, what's really scary is this um, and if you look at it and if you think about this we do more of our communicating online mm more of our purchasing, mm. more of our dating, mm. uh, more of our commerce and stuff. We're losing the human touch. And when we're doing more things online, and if the online goes down, what are you going to do? There was a young man uh, about a month ago, we were talking, and, and he, was, he got all upset because he's, he says, oh, my phone, he says, it's that. And he's, I says, well, my smoke signals never ran out of stuff. You know, and he sort of looked at me and he smiled. He said, he says, you're right. He says, we've become too dependent mm. on technology. Mm. 
Oh yeah. Have you ever gone into a bank to get any money if the banks are, if the technology's down? <laughs> you know, so it's things like that. It's go, it's going back to a more simpler way mm. of life. Mm. And if you follow the grandfathers, you you practice harmony and balance with the medicine wheel. You do things in a good way. Uh, one of the Ojibwe words, minobimatswin, or mm. minobimatswin, uh, living a good life, mm. not a complicated life, mm-hmm. but living a good life and doing things in a simple way. Mm-hmm. I want to jump in and let everyone know you're listening to Element FM. This is Moment of Truth uh, in Toronto and Ottawa. And my guest is Ernest Metton, and uh, uh, he's otherwise known as Elder Little Brown Bear. And his Mohawk uh, traditional name is? Atessa Nyungwari. Okay. Nyawa for that. Much appreciated. Um, so it's been great having him here and talking about uh, the things that he's involved with. I want to I move on and tell you a little bit more about, uh, about him and what he does. Uh, he, he inspired by bringing culture and professional disciplines to today's hectic world, and we were just talking about that, to assist people in finding what works. And simplicity seems to work, as we were talking about. Drawing from academic background, vast work in, and personal life experiences, he focuses on what works to bring balance and inspiration to everyday life and makes wellness practices and spirituality simple. Again, coming back to what you were just saying. And he says that, as you pointed out, uh, being indigenous is not a lifestyle. It is a way of life. And it's been a way of life for tens of thousands of years in North America and other indigenous communities right around this planet. Um, now, you, uh, you, it's pointed out you wear a yellow sash in support and honoring of the missing and murdered indigenous women uh, and girls. And um, you, you speak to the uh, commitment, of course, of breaking the cycle of violence and abuse. Yes, uh, domestic violence, lateral violence. Um, you know, in my teachings, um, women are the life givers. Mm-hmm. They are the givers of life. And without women, we would not have any generations and it's not that we put them on a pedestal. It's it's they're held in high regards, mm-hmm. and we need to treat our women better. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always told uh, that men are the hotheads, <laughs> and women are the voice of reason. Mm. And so, whenever any decisions are made, we need to go to the women. We mm. need to speak, and we need to talk to the women about that stuff. And uh, you know, I was sitting in a circle once, and. Um, <laughs> Uh, a 92-year-old woman got up and she says, uh, you know, men are a luxury, not a necessity. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, no truer words were said. You know, she says, we only need a man for one night to create life. And uh, one of the other women, I think she was 95, she stood up and she says, sometimes we only need him for 30 seconds. <laughs> and so I thought that was, you know, she looked right at me. And I said, well, you know, I'm good for 45. <laughs> so... <laughs> But, you know, they are, they take care of everything. Mm. Uh, You know, my elder spoke of when they used to leave the community, the women would gather the wood, they would gather, they would take care of the children. They would, when the men came back, they would take that meat and they would take the Mm. furs and they would do all of the work and Mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, Women are backbone Mm. of any community. Mm -hmm. Um, If you look at the bow and arrow, the bow is representative of a community and the women are the backbone of the community. So they need to be held in high regard. We need to protect our women. And, and of course, uh, many, many, I'm not sure if all indigenous communities, but many uh, uh, Haudenosaunee communities are matriarchal. So that is already 
part of that traditional uh, way of, of conducting governance in, yep. in the communities. Yeah, and in, and in some communities, that's still done that way mm-hmm. as well. So, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a very big um, advocate of, uh, of, um, of teaching about lateral violence and uh, domestic violence and, uh, and putting a stop to it. Yeah, the clan mothers are the ones who, who raise the chiefs and put them in, in position and can take them away from those positions. Uh, that, of course, is, is one thing that uh, was, uh, I guess, seen as, as a problem for uh, mainstream and the Canadian government in, in trying to uh, in dismantle that way of life so that, that, that it could, uh, they, would ha- they would be able to have more control, uh, like they've done so much throughout history with the residential schools and all of those other things, Indian Act, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And so in the program, the Aboriginal Healing Program, that's one of the things that we address uh, is, is the trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things uh, that people always talk about is mental health addiction, mental health and addictions. And a lot of times they forget trauma drives the mental health and addictions. Trauma mm-hmm. drives addictions. When they start to look at the trauma issues and dealing with those issues, uh, the addictions start to go away. Mm-hmm. So we really need to look at, you know, those traumatic events um, intergenerational impacts, blood memory that people don't speak about. Uh, mm-hmm. So all of those things that need to be addressed in some way or another. Do you mind me asking, because this just popped into my head and I'm not sure who you, if you have a, a, a thought on this or, or uh, if, if there's a traditional um, uh, way of, of, of dealing with this kind of thing, but, but we have come so far in, a, in society in terms of how we live these days we are grouped with so many people in such a small area. Uh, is there something uh, traditionally that, that uh, speaks to that in terms of it either be a healthy or an unhealthy way to, to approach life? So um, I carry a two-row wampum belt, mm-hmm. and um, there's two figures on it. Uh, my elder had, uh, had honored me with it, and um, we speak of the, uh, of the peace, power, and righteousness to love, honor, and respect one another. Mm-hmm. And those two rows talk about staying in our own canoes. Mm-hmm. But we pass our paddles or we pass our tools back and forth to help our brothers and sisters. Mm. We're not our brothers and sisters. Uh, we're not responsible for them, but we are their keepers. Mm. And so it's passing those paddles back and forth. And if we ever become heavy-handed over one another, mm. uh, we go to a meeting or we go to a circle mm. to work out our differences. We don't yell. We don't swear. Uh, I've always been taught that there's no swear words in the Aboriginal language. Mm. There just isn't. Mm. And so uh, in the program, they don't swear. Mm-hmm. But it's a way of working out. So when they have conflict in a small group, we come to a circle and we talk about things. Mm-hmm. And I think we've lost that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we need to look more at staying in our own canoes mm. rather than getting into other people's canoes. Mm. Yeah, thanks for bringing us back to the two-row. Much appreciated. Um now uh, you've been you've been given a number of different awards and and you know all kinds of things uh, from you know recognized at least and I was wondering about this because when I looked at your list of, of accolades and the things that are behind your name and the things that you've been honored with, um, I know many elders and many many indigenous people they appreciate it but they are not they're not what is important to them. You know I accept those on behalf of the community members. I am a conduit in which the creator works through. Mm. That is it. The role models are the community members. Um, at the hospital, we, I don't call them clients or patients. Mm. That's derogatory in our culture. 
they're community members, and that's what they are. So it's the community members that are the role models of the program, and they always will be. Accolades, you know, yeah, so it's nice. You pass them to the community members. But the real thing is seeing that person coming in, uh, low self-esteem, beaten up, and they start to get a little glint of light in their eyes. And then they get a belly laugh. Mm. They get on their healing journey. That is the reward. One of the things that we that that, that I teach is um, love is an action without expectations. Mm. So we do things because we want to do them, not because we want something in return or we're going to keep a list. If you look at some of the um, relationships, people keep a list. You know, I did this for you. And that's not what we do. Elders walk in humility. And that's one of the seven grandfathers that we're taught is, is we don't take credit. The credit goes to those that are doing those things. It's like going to work. Uh, a job is something you hate to go to. What we do is a calling. Mm. And that's the work that we do. I appreciate that as well. Uh, we are unfortunately coming to an end of our time, but uh, I can honestly say it's been a pleasure to have you on the show, and I greatly appreciate you taking the time to come and join us and and, and, and share your thoughts and, and things. And I want to say also thanks again for the, uh, the, the small gift you brought me. It means a lot to me that you did that, and I can tell you it was a day that, that, that I can... Uh, that, that I really needed to have that. So thank you for thinking of, of that, uh, Chimiguech and, and Yalgoa. Um, is there anything else before we leave, though, that uh, is on your heart or mind that you would like to share or end with? Sure. Um, right now we're involved, uh, the community, uh, Jack Majors um, and his, uh, his partner, Maya Marchand. Uh, we are right now uh, co-directing and co-producing mm. uh, a documentary called Healing of the Nation. Mm. And it's about the nation. Mm-hmm. It's just not about um, Aboriginal people and this. It's about the nation. Right. Um, and everybody deserves a healing journey. And so this is what we're doing now. And uh, we hope to have it ready. Uh, we're actually going to submit it for TIFF. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, we've had a lot of interest. And uh, the other thing we're doing is right now we're fundraising for a teepee. Right. Uh, to put on the same property where the sweat lodge is. So those are the things that we're doing. Uh, so fundraising, where can people go to give uh, or, or donate to that? Uh, if they go to the uh, to Michael Guerin website, yep. um, and they uh, they can type in uh, Michael Guerin, mm-hmm. and then there's a portion for the Aboriginal Healing uh, okay. Program, yep. and they can, they can donate there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can just donate, or we also have GoFundMe pages that we've got as well. Uh, Roxanne, one of our uh, community members, uh, have created... Um, a page for us, and uh, if you need a receipt, um, Shannon will be uh, will be there. Uh, she can walk you through the process. And mm-hmm. if you just want to make a donation, that's great, and we appreciate everything. Well, it's been uh, wonderful having you on the show today. So, Chimiguech and Yawagoa for for coming in. Uh, it would be great to have you back on. Miigwech. Okay. Aho. And that is my guest. Uh, as I mentioned before, his uh, English name is Ernest uh, Maton, and uh, otherwise known as Elder Little Brown Bear. And I'm going to get him one more time to say <laughs> his traditional name in Mohawk. 
Right, and it's been a pleasure to have him on. I hope you've enjoyed this uh, this this uh, uh, segment of uh, Moment of Truth. It's certainly been a pleasure for me to have him on and share uh, and enlighten and I guess educate to some degree that we've been doing with uh, with some of the stuff we've been sharing here today. So uh, thank you, our listeners, for for paying attention and being a part of the show. But uh, we'll be back right after this with more on Element FM and Moment of Truth. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Ottawa and Toronto. And of course, you can also be listening on the Radio Player Canada app if you download that app and uh, just type in uh, 95.7 ca as well as uh, and or 106.5 ELMNTFM. And uh, of course, you listen online at elementfm.ca. I'd like to welcome my next guest to the show, and uh, it's an interesting topic we have to discuss with him. But first, a little bit, a little bit about Michael McNamara, who uh, is a filmmaker, a veteran filmmaker with uh, Markham Street Films, uh, and um, it's an interesting, as I say, topic we have to we have to share something that uh, is very, very familiar with everyone. Uh, because we probably have used this uh, this this phrase at some point, and that is, please pass the salt. Uh, and uh, that's the that's the name of this 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 uh, about a thirty minute forty five minutes. Yeah, it's a fee- well, it's an hour long TV hour. Yeah, so, yeah. and uh, it's 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 with uh, the nature of things, uh, David right. Suzuki, mm-hmm. and uh, I had a chance to view this, of course. And uh, quite an interesting, uh, quite an interesting piece about salt. Something that we all use. We've all heard so many things about, of course, over the time that it's good, it's bad. Uh, how much do we really need? It's in, of course, almost everything that we w- that we consume. You know, I was surprised in the documentary uh, to learn that it's it's a rock. I didn't realize it was a rock, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> it dissolves. <laughs> you know, yeah. So. yeah, it's not, you know, I mean, certainly a lot of other condiments like pepper, for instance, mm. you know, are yeah. plant-based. And right. uh, th- this really is the only, uh, m- you know, rock that we actually willingly put in our mouths and swallow. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, it's one of the oldest substances in the universe. And uh, it's in every cell in our bodies. We, yeah. you know, it's not... It's not like we're just, you know, gonna gonna just stop going to that one particular shelf, and you know, in the grocery store. It's 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 everywhere, and it's uh, and it, like you said, uh, it's it's been around a long time, and, and it's almost it was at one point treated like gold, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 I don't know how true this is, but apparently the word salary comes from this. You know, mm-hmm. Roman soldiers were paid in salt, and then mm-hmm. they called it a salary because, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, and yes, it, it the thing is, is we 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 evolved from creatures who were seed, seed dwelling, mm-hmm. so we were surrounded in salt. Salt was a very much a big part of our physiology, and then when we adapted and came out of uh, of the uh, the ocean and came onto uh, dry land, we were suddenly in a, a low salt environment where we but we still needed it. And the further away you get away from the ocean, the the harder it is to find salt. Uh, unless uh, you start drilling and, and uh, find some of those ancient oceans and so on, but uh, uh, so it, it's it's um, it's an essential uh, kind of part of, of of who we are as human beings. It's 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 actually the the, the kind of little mini battery that that uh, runs mm-hmm. just about everything. We always think about calories. And we think about all other other things that are going on in our bodies that are fueling us. But in fact, um, um, salt and potassium when they dissolve in in our bloodstreams. Uh, uh, are, are what they're called electrolytes, and they actually 
generate an electric current, which then goes on to power just about everything in our body, everything that needs you know, our brains, our, our brain cells, our, uh, our nerve endings, our muscles. It all needs salt. And so just to kind of like cavalierly say, you know what, we're just going to give, give up salt uh, is, is just a bit too naive and, and really scientifically impossible. So thank you. You've, you've I think, teased us all about this se- the segment uh, about uh, Pass the Salt. Uh, I'd like to, uh, before we explore that further, can we talk a little bit more about, uh, about yourself and about, uh, ab- about uh, Markham Street Films? Uh, because um, you you were born in Chicago, but raised in in Windsor, Ontario, I That's believe, correct, with yeah. someone we know uh, right here at uh, Element FM, uh, Kathy Sabokin. Oh, right, right. Kathy and I were in high school together. We're we're old friends, and uh, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm a big fan of hers. So yeah. So now tell me about Markham Street Films. You, as you were telling me a little earlier, uh, right. a re- I guess until fairly recently, mm-hmm. you were in, in the Toronto area. Yeah, yeah. I I I. Uh, I I've been uh, making films for almost 30 years now. Uh, I started out making television shows. I worked on the Sharon Lawson Bram Elephant show mm-hmm. with, uh, uh, with the children's entertainers and Eric's World and Polka Dot Shorts on TV Ontario. And uh, uh, back in whew, almost 20 years ago now, my wife Judy Holm and I, uh, who was working in film distribution, we started our own company and we thought, well, very cleverly, we thought we'd name it after the street we lived on, Markham Street Films. And uh, eventually we had to kind of move the business out of our house because, you know, we had people coming in and we had to get out of our pajamas before they arrived and all mm. that. So um, uh, currently uh, we, uh, our, our head office now is in Stratford. We, uh, we kind of moved operations to there, but we still have a, a sort of a satellite office in mm. Toronto on, uh, in Little Italy. And uh, we basically go where the stories are. And uh, it just so happens, in fact, the, um, uh, the, the, the SALT documentary uh, – uh, was a little bit inspired by uh, the, some of the things that we were encountering there. They have a chef school yes. in Stratford. It's, it's, it's known, you know, certainly for the theater uh, community and the, the theater festival. But uh, off-season from the theater festival, there's this amazing uh, resource, the, uh, the Stratford Chef School, where they it's a two-year program and where they teach uh, uh, young and older, uh, more mature students, uh, how to uh, become sort of cordon bleu chefs. And... When we were speaking with them, and I was doing research on this, I um, uh, had a chat with a woman named Randy Rudner, who's uh, one of the uh, uh, people who sort of run the, uh, the programs at the, at the school. And she said it would be impossible to run a, a restaurant of quality uh, without mm-hmm. uh, this ingredient we're talking about, without salt. And uh, as you say, that, and that's part of the film. You you actually use the the chef school, and uh, and, and there's an experiment that you use uh, for that. We'll, we'll get into that uh, sure. a little bit later as well. Now, uh, being in Stratford, um, it, it, there's sort of a, a little bit of a, a film thing going on there, isn't there? There's, there's some kind of a re- like they're building a film industry there. The, absolutely, yeah. Well, you know, certainly wa- uh, uh, the University of Waterloo has a, a, a digital campus there now. Uh, and there's uh, uh, certainly a, uh, a number of other filmmakers that I've become uh, friendly with in, in, in the area. Uh, I, there seems to be a bit of an exodus going on as, mm. as, as you know, real estate property, you know, mm-hmm. property values going up in Toronto mm-hmm. and people looking for opportunities for, uh, for, for talent also uh, and, uh, and for, uh, you know, office space and so on. And uh, Stratford is uh, just a little more than an hour and a half uh, yeah. drive from yeah. downtown Toronto. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's very supportive of its arts, but it's also, uh, there's a manufacturing base there and, uh, 
you know, I grew up in Essex County a lot along with, mm. with, 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 with Kathy, and uh, so I'm a bit of a snob when it comes to corn and tomatoes and, <laughs> and, and fresh produce. Yeah. And Perth County, I have to admit, has, has great, uh, you know, sort of fresh produce during the, during the summer months. They sure do. And Stratford is uh, by no means uh, an unattractive town to live in. It's a beautiful area. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, they're building this, the new Tom Patterson Theater there now, mm. which will be opening in a few months, I think. And, and uh uh, so I have to admit, I, I've, I've seen more theater in the last uh, uh, two years since we moved there than, uh, than I probably saw my whole life. So, And it's probably, uh, I'm guessing, because it is art-based and because of people like yourselves that are moving into the area, uh, it, it's probably more connected than people tend to realize. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, well, for instance, uh, Ron Sexsmith, the, uh, the, the the great Canadian musician, singer-songwriter, mm. is uh, calls Stratford home now, mm. and uh, he's been doing really interesting. I mean, he continues to do the kind of work he does, and he continues to tour, but he's uh, developed a couple of uh, sort of uh, children's musicals that mm. uh, that he's been uh, workshopping with uh, with the, the theater company there. Uh, there's uh, um, another company in, in Stratford called Ballinran who does really great great work and in fact they've also been doing things like uh, public screenings in the summertime uh, 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 in the in the town square on, uh, on a big inflatable screen and uh, so they you know movies under the stars and so on so there's a there's a definitely a kind of a, a culture that goes way beyond the uh, the theater community all let's face it the theater community is just incredible and vibrant yeah. and there's all kinds of stuff going right. on so uh, yeah, there's way more than just you know that 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 matinee going yeah. on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sure. Thank you for indulging us with those uh, that little bit about Stratford, a uh, mm-hmm. little bit of a plug for the town, right? Oh, yeah, I'd be really uh, come to love it. Really uh, but listen, I want to come back to what you said uh, about you know past the salt. Uh, it's this great segment with, as we mentioned, uh, uh, David Suzuki, and and and, and uh, you know you're introduced to the idea, uh, and David Suzuki is sitting there, of course. Um, with uh, eating an, an oriental meal, uh, some sushi, and you just can't have that without... Uh, can't have Japanese food without soy sauce. That's and right. Yeah. And he, uh, uh, it, you know, when we, we make these films, he, he certainly narrates them, but he, there was also a, uh, the introduction and the kind of the, uh, the framing of these films uh, tends to be around the kinds of things that's, that David is interested mm-hmm. in. And a few years back, he was told by his doctor that he had to cut back on, right. on salt in his diet, and especially soy sauce. Uh, because uh, he had uh, his blood pressure went up. Now, the interesting thing about this is, of course, is that uh, uh, not everybody's blood pressure goes up when they eat salt. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we discovered as we were you know, looking into this is that, in fact, only one in four, perhaps, yeah. have this kind of a condition where they're salt sensitive. And even then, it's not cumulative like, you know, tobacco and lung disease, for instance. So you, 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 uh, the, the, the salt that, you, that causes your, uh, your blood pressure to, to go up uh, once it clears your system, uh, that problem is gone again. So it's it's a very different kind of a medical response to uh, to uh, uh, to this food stuff. But uh, um, it, there's the thing is, you know, when it comes to nutrition, it's it's we keep on thinking, oh, we know everything. We know nothing. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, this it is of of all the uh, the sciences, probably the one that's the most in its infancy, and probably the one that's the most important to us in a lot of ways. And you know what's interesting about that comment is sort of one of the, I believe, scientists or physicians that you're speaking to in the, in this piece actually says something to that effect about, well, it's not about cutting it out. You know, it's, it's, you know they give you that idea of too much, too little, mm-hmm. and it's better just to, you know, be somewhere in the middle of that. And, right. You know, and, and that, I, cannot, I think that speaks to the idea of what you just said, that we don't know enough about this stuff. And so if, if you know, people are saying, oh, cut it right out of your, your diet, mm-hmm. uh, 
yeah, without the basis to know whether that's yeah. factual we, or not. So, yeah, you know, I mean, salt was is probably for for many years our, our most uh, important food preservative. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and there's so many so much cuisine mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. Uh, around salt. Uh, 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 you know, Montreal smoked meat, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and and, and uh, sausage, those kinds of things that really rely on salt to kill any pathogens or germs right. and so on. You really you really need that, and then it allows and it, it also desiccates. It'll dry things out for you, right. uh, so that they'll last longer. Uh, so it's a it's a it's a it's we we do it not just for the flavor. There's all kinds of other chemical properties that salt has that uh, that are really important uh, in the kitchen and and of course on our roads here mm-hmm. in Toronto and, and, <laughs> and 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 as we know it's you know it's saving lives but at the same time it's you mm-hmm. know it's rusting our cars yeah. and and, uh, and eating away at our pant cuffs and so on. <laughs> and and you know that's interesting that it pointed that out. It'll eat through anything. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it's it's it's. It's kind of uh, we call it the Jekyll and Hyde yeah. of, uh, of foodstuffs. It's right. it's it's just it's it's so important for us, but at the same time, it can can cause uh, uh, health problems. It's uh, um, like I said, it's it comes from the sea, but it'll dry things out. Yep. I mean, it's sort of a, yeah. it's 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 so contradictory in a lot of ways. It's really it's really a, mis- a mysterious uh, element, which I think is what makes this such a fascinating uh, um, you know episode to watch. Because of those contradictions and mm-hmm. and the things that it it ha- either can or cannot do, uh, and and how and the wide uses, even getting back to uh, what we see throughout this this uh, this film is that, it, you know, it's not just used for uh, flavoring, as you pointed out. Mm-hmm. It's garnish. Uh, there are different kinds of salts, of course. Right. What are the best salts to use, as mm-hmm. we found out from the film? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you know, even identifying and seeing, which was really cool, that um, f- there's now a salt manufacturer on the West Coast uh, mm. pulling salt out of the ocean. Right. Um, and, that, and I ha- again, I had no idea about the different kinds of crystals that are made from salts, depending right. on where they're pulled from. Right, right. I mean, I mean, you know, the thing is, all when you get right down to it, all salt is sea salt because that's mm. where, where it originally mm-hmm. it originated from. The thing is that most of the salt we've been using in Canada, which comes from uh, 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 Goderich or, or Windsor, mm. uh, is uh, mined, and those those are, those are from the uh, beds of you know ancient seabeds. Mm. Um, and uh, the salt is is quite healthy and has just as healthy as uh, 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 sea salt, we, but. Because it was so simple and easy to access, it's you know and easy to mine. Uh, there hasn't been as much a, 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 an interest in, in in producing sea salt. It's mm. it's 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 you tend to see it more produced in uh, warmer countries where they have uh, less rainfall and more predictable weather, hotter days, mm. and so on, so that they can dry these you know, dry the salt out on on salt flats and beds and so on. But um, there's something quite lovely about uh, the ability of to, to, to remove it from the ocean and control the um, the, the, the process. And we see uh, uh, at the Vancouver Sea Salt Company where they're uh, they're pumping. Um, they, they say it's a good pipeline. They're pumping. They're, pump, <laughs> yeah, <that's> they're, right. <laughs> they're pumping salt water right out of the uh, uh, right out of the, uh, the ocean and uh, uh, into tanks, and then boiling it down and purifying it, and so on. And they produce these, you know, wonderful crystals, and they do a lot of other things with it as well. They smoke it and add other t- types of flavoring and so on. But it's become a very uh, mm-hmm. uh, a popular item in the kitchen, and as you alluded to, not just for uh, the flavor, but also for a texture that it will add when it's uh, big and crunchy like that. Uh, and uh, you probably wouldn't use it for this, but salt has become really important, uh, you know, like, again, uh, for its chemical properties, for uh, increasing the boiling point of water, for instance, mm. so that when you're... 
making pasta, you can get it into the water faster and out of the water faster, and therefore you get that nice al dente kind of a, a bite that you get mm-hmm. uh, on, on, on good pasta. Uh, it doesn't get mushy. Uh, if you're not adding salt to your, to your, your, your pasta water, you're probably uh, shortchanging yourself. This is something I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and bread, it's, 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 you know, right. if you look at, uh, you know, any kind of commercially produced bread, whether it's the really nice, fine sort of ace bakery kind of, you know, crusty artisanal stuff or the, you know, Wonder Bread, uh, they all rely on salt to uh, kind of temper the yeast activity in the mm-hmm. bread and also to, you wouldn't even, you, it wouldn't go brown, for instance. I didn't yeah. know this. It, it wouldn't go brown uh-huh. on the outside. You wouldn't get that nice crust without the uh, the salt in there. So it, it's, 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 uh, it's essential. And, and it's, uh, um, I mean, you, you alluded to this earlier. That it, one of the things that we, um, we found is that um, um, this all started actually uh, about 50 years ago in the, in the 70s. There was a, a, a big uh, sort of president's nutrition report in the United States. Uh, George McGovern, who some people may remember, actually ran for, for that office and didn't quite make it. But uh, um, they identified, you know, the, the, the three prime suspects, you know, salt, right. sugar, and fat. But mm. salt was in there. And um, they had recommended uh, a limit of somewhere around three grams, which is – about a half a teaspoon when you're mm-hmm. talking about sodium and salt. Mm-hmm. Salt is, in fact, 40% sodium and 60% chloride, and uh, it's the 40% sodium stuff that we're most concerned about. So when you're reading on your package on, on, on food in the grocery store, you'll be looking at the uh, looking for the amount of sodium. And um, at the time, that was kind of a... Our, on average, we in Canada, uh, anybody who's not really trying... Uh, is eating between 3.5 uh, grams of, of sodium and 5 grams of sodium. And that's a, a fairly, that's where a lot of people in Europe are as well. Uh, it's only when you get into countries with, with a high amount of salt in their cuisine, like Korea or China, where you get much higher uh, average cons- daily consumption of salt. And, and you do tend to see more, uh, more health issues associated with that. But in that range of 3.5 to 5, you're actually pretty well off. Um, but one of the things, a study that uh, we, uh, we look at in the film, uh, one of the things they discovered was that if you get much lower than, than that, you can also uh, trigger problems. Because what happens is because it's an essential nutrient, your body craves it, needs it, wants it. That's why we have this taste for it in the first place. Uh, and if it's not getting it, it goes into a kind of a self-defense mode and releases hormones that probably you don't want floating around in your bloodstream. It causes all kinds of arterial damage. There's a lot of uh, uh, of issues associated with going too low. And, you know, I mean, there's some things like, you know, let's face it, uh, saturated fats, you know, you can, zero is an optimal place for that. Uh, uh, tobacco mm-hmm. is another place where right. zero is an optimal place. <laughs> But it, nutrition doesn't work the same way. Right. Just because high amounts are bad doesn't mean that low, ultra-low amounts right. are bad, too. Um, and it's, this has become, you know, I'm, one of the things that really interests me about this in the first place is that, you know, some of the greatest minds in science and nutrition cannot agree about this. They're, 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 there's, they're, and they're, there's sort of bitter arguments from both sides of the uh, salt shaker about... <laughs> Sorry, Andrew. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, about uh, uh, about how much is too much and how little is too little, um, and you know. So, what do we believe? I mean, this. But this really is a you know. This is an argument that's only been around for about fifty years. I mean, mm. we've known that a hit in the head is not a good thing, 
But uh, it's only been in the last 50 years that we've been told that uh, that one of our most essential nutrients could be doing us harm. Right. Uh, a couple of things that, that uh, come to mind when you're, you were talking there is is that, it, you know, as we were saying, it's not just uh, for putting in things uh, to, uh, to, to make the taste uh, come out. Uh, and as you mentioned about the scientific properties that mm-hmm. are beneficial for cooking and doing all those things and into foods, uh, and it's preservative elements and all of those those things that it can be used for. Um, but, it, you know, it, it also it makes you thirsty. It, it's one of the things you just put on your, your tongue, and, and, and it's so recognizable. Salt <laughs> is like, wow, you know, you've got mm-hmm. salt. And, but it is that also, it, you know, if you get too much salt in something, it can just, like, destroy. Uh, it's not, but it's almost are. like, I can't eat this. It's just way yeah. too much in here. Yeah, you're right. And, in fact, that's, that's, that's one of the interesting things about it is that kind of delicate balance, you know, the... There are, there are certain vegetables that, you know, f- a lot of people find just unpalatable, like uh, broccoli and Brussels mm. sprouts, <laughs> that they cannot eat unless mm. there's a little, there's just a little dash of salt mm. will just kind of take away the bitterness or mm. whatever it is that's, you know, preventing them from enjoying, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, these really healthy foods. Uh, and, and all it takes is a pinch. One pinch too many uh, can, as you said, just kind of render a, a, a dish uh, on, on edib- inedible because mm-hmm. it, it is just something about uh, we, we're hardwired to crave salt, we, you know, because, because of the, uh, the, the, the essential properties that, uh, that we, you know, the reason we need salt to, to power all these, uh, these little tiny, tiny batteries basically that are floating around inside us and, 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 and keeping, up, keeping things going. Uh, we've got to have it. Got it. And and we do lose it when we've been exercising or right. in heat uh, because we sweat water right. and we we sweat salt and um, we do need to maintain a kind of a, excuse me a balance between uh, the, the 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 water that's in our bodies mm. and the and the, the sodium that's in our bodies and there's a um, a very very narrow kind of range where you know if you go just way too a little bit too much water and not enough salt, you you can cause you some serious harm. Yeah, I'm glad you, you mentioned that. But before we go any further, I've been enjoying this conversation so much that I yeah. forgot to mention that we you're listening to Element FM, and uh, this is a moment of truth. And uh, my guest is uh, Michael McNamara, and he is with Markham Street Films. We're talking about uh, an episode of uh, The Nature of Things with David Suzuki. It's called Pass the Salt. Uh, and it's a fascinating, fascinating look at salt. It really is. I, I recommend everyone uh, check this out. You will learn something, uh, and you might learn a few tricks about uh, about uh, how to use salt for your next meal. Um, <laughs> and and it, it's a f- as I say, it really captures some really wonderful different elements uh, and things about salt. Uh, a basic, uh, uh, as as we've been saying, it's just something we we use every single day, as, <laughs> as Michael pointed out, even on our streets. Um, but um, I, I wanted to ask you: uh, did you did you approach uh, Dave Suzuki and the Nature of Things for this topic, or is this something they came to you with about, or how, how did no, that work? Well, um, you know, I, I, we've made. Uh, I think this will be our fifth uh, Nature of Things okay. documentary. We we did one about cholesterol. Mm-hmm. We did one about uh, the the. Uh, the health issues around uh, exposure to uh, artificial light at night, mm. uh, and um, what else have we done? And, and, and maybe one about memory. Oh, yeah, one about adult ADHD, in fact. Mm. Um, and uh, so we've been in a, having kind of an ongoing dialogue with uh, the, um, the executive producer at, uh, at the Nature of Things, uh, uh, Sudando, and and so she's constantly looking at what's you know what's going on in the 
in the uh, in the world of uh, uh, of science and 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 we've been mostly uh, you know because obviously they have lots of great great natural science lots of you know uh, uh, bears and, <laughs> and and furry creatures and so on uh, we've been concentrating mostly on on, on human health uh, mm-hmm. issues for for the nature of things and um, this is one of those ones where uh, it's kind of always you know, sort of in the zeitgeist. And about two years ago, there was a, an article published in the uh, New York Times with a really provocative headline, which was, Why Everything We Know About Salt May Be Wrong. Mm. And um, it uh, was uh, a, a really cool article, but it was, again, it was one of those things that made you sort of sit up and notice. And so uh, I, I contacted Sue and I said, you see this? And she said, yes, I did. And so I said, so, well, we're interested in looking into this. Uh, and so it, 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 that was two, year, two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took a while to kind of get this, this going mm-hmm. uh, and trying to find the right approach because um, it's, you'd think, it's salt, simple. You know? <laughs> it's it's yeah. just black and white. There's mm-hmm. nothing black and white about salt. Yeah. It is just <laughs> such a um, – and, and, and as, as we mentioned, it's, it's ubiquitous. It's not only in our food and not only in our roads. It's in the steel that we produce. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's, it shows up in all kinds of places you just wouldn't even consider. And um, so it's it's uh, yeah. It took us a while to kind of find the right approach, and a lot of this kind of boiled down to a, um, um, a study that was done. Um, I don't know if you want me to talk about this right now, but there was a study done in Russia, uh, of all places, uh, of, of um, a simulated flight to uh, Mars, and they uh, had a, a team of, uh, of cosmonauts who were. Um, who, who were basically locked up in a, in a space station for uh, almost a year and a half. And this gave nutritionists uh, and nutritional scientists uh, a perfect opportunity to monitor what was going in and out of their bodies because doing, doing dietary studies is really difficult because people will always misremember what it was they ate. Yeah. You know, food diaries yeah. just can't tell the whole story. So yeah. thank you. That's yeah. another teaser for the for the program because yeah. if people go, they will see that element of it as well included mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, this really does touch on so many different areas. Uh, not only from from eating gourmet uh, taste wise, and seeing some great meals made uh, as well, uh, and coming back to that uh, the chef school in Stratford where mm-hmm. you use them as a as a, a way of of uh, uh, saying how much actual salt goes into a meal, mm-hmm. and they weigh up the salt at the beginning, and they show you through the process of where it gets used and how much uh, things get. You know, it's really surprising to see how salt was used in there, mm-hmm. uh, but it's really enlightening to see mm-hmm. that as well, mm-hmm. uh, and and so. I, I recommend, uh, if you can, uh, w- will this be, has it been on? Will it be coming on the show? How, how will people see this? Well, you know, I, I, people are always used to basically, you know, make appointments to watch uh, mm. stuff like this. But now uh, it's, it's available online. Mm. So it, it, I think we, we premiered last Friday okay. on, the, on the network, but it's actually available now on uh, the CBC Gem uh, mm-hmm. web app, yep. which allows you to watch uh, shows at your leisure anytime you want. Yeah. And so we're, we're there now. Uh, you can watch it 24-7. You can watch it over and over and over again. Tell right. your friends. You, you can go there right now as we're speaking, and maybe you already have and started to watch <laughs> it, which would be great because I know you're going to learn something and you will enjoy it. Uh, it's not only got some great people and some some great experts that you speak to on a, on salt, uh, but as we mentioned, uh, you, you see this this great process of looking at and, and and there was different you know these different kinds of salts. And I had no idea, of course, that most restaurants uh, use kosher salt as as mm. their salt of choice. Yeah, yeah, that's a really interesting one because you know, if anybody who does home cooking, 
you know, for the longest time, the only salt that you had in the kitchen was was iodized table salt, mm. which is very finely ground. And so um, a tablespoon of finely ground uh, 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 table salt will uh, be have twice as much sodium as a mm. tablespoon of, of uh, kosher salt, which is larger flake, fluffier, and in fact and often is hollow for some reason, mm. I guess. Mm. It gives it a nice lightness. And light. and so uh, there will be people who will, will follow recipes and they just go, why is this so salty? And it's right. because the, 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 the salt of standard really right. uh, in kitchens and in, in uh, uh, most manufacturing now is, is what's called kosher salt. And there you go. You've learned something else and you will learn so much more by going to watch uh, The Nature of Things and to pass the salt uh, with uh, as, I, as we were talking to Michael, uh, Michael McNamara, uh, who has a uh, part of Markham Street Films and his uh, partners that have put this together for your entertainment. And uh, I'm going to leave you with this uh, little teaser as well. Uh, Michael alluded to this uh, about how it's uh, an electrolyte. And if you're feeling low or if you're feeling low in energy or something like that, well, guess what? It might be because you are low in salt because, as you pointed out, it helps. It's like a little tr electrical trigger that, that transfers yeah, things in our bodies. Absolutely. Uh, really fascinating uh, uh, episode, and uh, I recommend everyone to, to go and watch this, uh, as, as Michael pointed out, on CBC Gem. You can see that at your leisure. Uh, Michael, it's been a pleasure to have you in and speak about this, and we, we look forward to uh, having you back on for your next episode or whatever it might you be working on that we can pass along to others and, and share uh, uh, something that could be of benefit to them. Awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, actually, the next one is about goats. So I'll <laughs> Great. Okay. <laughs> we'll be back with that one. All right. We look forward to that. Uh, but that's our show for today. It's been a pleasure to have uh, Michael McNamara of uh, Markham Street Films based in Stratford. What a great place to be. And talk about uh, Past the Salt. It's uh, a, a, moment, a Nature of Things uh, episode. You can catch that on CBC Gem. Michael, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. Appreciate and it. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on Moment of Truth and Element FM. Until then, I say onigiha.